0: Blog Talk Radio. I want to recommend to everybody. This was just a wonderful, wonderful time, um, and I pray that in your lifetime you get a chance to go visit it. Uh, it is just something spectacular, but anyway, let's um, let's do a quick review of what we were doing before we left, and then have a word of prayer, uh, and invite somebody to Christ tonight. Um, last uh, when we left you in chapter eight, one of the things that we talked about is going forward in the Word of God, and what we saw David doing. Bless you. Uh, what we saw David doing was David. Uh, had the ability to receive the promise of God and believe God and go do it. And that's what we talked about, receiving the word of God, receiving the promise of God. And God gave him a a two-pronged promise. One of the prongs had to do with him being an everlasting covenant that David would always have one of his descendants sit on the throne. That was one of them, and what we, what we push forward to do is show you that Jesus, as a descendant of David, now sits on the everlasting throne. That was one thing that we wanted to show you, because God's promises are true. It says, um, all the promises of God are yea and amen in him. And a lot of people just say, think that um, when they cite that, they say it's yea and amen. Uh, But but they missed that last part, a yea and amen in Christ. And what it is is Christ is the fulfillment of the promises of God. And so we have to be aware of that. Second thing that he told him, uh, he gave him a promise toward Israel, and he says that Israel would have rest from their enemies. And David goes about and what he does is he begins to fight the enemy, and he begins to capture and subdue the enemy, and the word of God comes to pass. Now we did warn you that um, that chapter eight was a summary of David's victories, and that some of them we would revisit uh, later on as we study Second Samuel because we get a lot more detail concerning those uh, uh, those battles, and it's really important that we understand, you know, the enemies that are around us, the fact that, you know what, our enemy is never going to lay down. He's not going to lay down and let us have anything that we have to fight, that when God gives you a promise, you are fighting the fight of faith. And you're holding on to his promises. You are working to make sure that God's God's word comes to pass in your life. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so ours is a fight of faith. Ours is a fight to, to believe what God has said. And to go forward, and to go forward based upon not what we see, not what we feel, but what God has said. And he will bring it to pass. So we talked about that a uh, week before last. And then um, tonight we'll go into chapter 9. And chapter 9 is just a wonderful, wonderful chapter. And we'll discuss a concept, good evening, uh, we'll, we'll discuss a concept called, or word called Hased which is just a wonderful, wonderful word. But before before we go any farther, let's uh, take a moment to address the throne of grace. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We thank you, O God, that you are a faithful God. We thank you, O God, that you walk before us, that you show us the way. Now, Father, tonight as we go into your word, we go into it humbly. We go into it because you've told us to study your word. We go into your your word tonight because we're hungry for your word. But more than our hunger for your word, we hunger for you. We hunger for your presence. We hunger to be in your presence. God, we understand that knowledge will puff us up and we don't, we don't desire to get puffed up because of what we know about you. We desire to be filled with your spirit that we might do and understand what you say. So allow us into your presence tonight. Permeate our hearts and our minds with, with your word. Speak to us in a way that only you can. Give us clarity of thought. Give us understanding hearts that we might do your will. Oh, God, how we need you tonight. Now lead us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the thing that I want to, um, to, to to do before I get into Second Samuel 9 is I want to invite somebody to, to uh, accept Christ tonight. I want, I want to challenge you to believe what God has said to you, he's spoken to you. He's called you, and he's revealed himself to you, and he's shown you himself. And he's, and he's told you that your sins are forgiven. And he's shown you his son who hung, bled, and died on Calvary's cross. And he said to you, if you trust, Me, I'll save you. If you put your faith in the fact that I gave my son to die for your sins, if you can believe that Jesus died for your sins and accept his gift of salvation, you can be saved. That's what it takes. And so how do you do it? You say it with your mouth. The word tells you, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he is risen from the dead, you can be saved. You can be saved. And that's what we really want for you tonight. We want you to have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And so all you got to do is just say it. And what what do you you say? I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, and he died for my sins. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. And if you do that, if you just simply confess that prayer to God, he'll save you. So then what do you do after that? I want you to go out, and I want you to find a pastor, a church, a Christian, and tell him, look, I just confessed Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, and I'm saved. Now I need to know how, what to do next. And they'll take you and they will begin to speak with you and they'll show you the word of God. And they'll show you that you are a child of God and the things that God wants to do in your life. Once you do that? If you do that, uh, I want to welcome you tonight into the kingdom of God. I want to welcome you as a brother or sister in Christ. Amen? And with that said, I want to go now to um the word of God. And I thank you for just putting up with me tonight. I'm again I'm a little scattered because this computer is not working properly. I normally would have my um the switchboard up here and I could see everything and I could see people that's calling in and all that. I can't see anything tonight. So, I'm kind of flying blind. But that's okay because the other thing that I'm supposed to do tonight is I'm also supposed to get on another one of these technological vehicles and just, you know, kind of for 10 minutes or so, uh, share with them what we're doing tonight. So there's a lot of stuff going on with this technology, and sooner or later, somebody's going to volunteer to come along and run all this apparatus for me, so my hands will be free just to do what I do, and that's teach the Word of God. But until that person comes along, I'm going to do what I do. Amen? So now, let's start, and I'm going to get my notes out so I can... You know, kind of keep track of where I am and the things that I'm doing. And I want to start out with um, reading from Second Samuel chapter 9. At Second Samuel chapter 9. And I'm going to start at verse 1. Um, and I'm going to do this, too, at the same time. And I'm going to go live on uh, Facebook, Facebook, too. How's that? Ooh, I'm getting... Anyway, so let's see if we can do it that way. Now, 2 Samuel Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. David asked, "Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness?" for Jonathan's sake. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba, your servant, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Now, when we open this up, uh, remember David now has, has, has defeated the enemy. He has appointed certain officials in Chapter 8 to begin to run his administration. And now he is reminded of a covenant agreement that he made with uh, Jonathan Turn with me to um, 1 Samuel. Let's go back to 1 Samuel and look this over. 1 Samuel chapter 18. That's where it's at. And we will look at... Verse, uh, let's look at 18.1. After David had finished talking with Saul... Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. Now listen to verse 3. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword his bow, and his belt. So Jonathan and David made a covenant that day, and part of the covenant involved, um, it's a transfer, literally a transfer of power. Jonathan humbles himself in such a way where literally he gives him, he, he, he he steps out of the line of ascension, and he gives David his power. He gives him claim to the throne and he gives him power. The power is represented in the fact that he gives up his weaponry and the claim to the throne, he gives up his tunic. So you see him just literally handing that over and saying to David, David, I know you are God's anointed. But let's get a little deeper. Turn over to um, uh, chapter 20 in 1 Samuel. I'm gonna see if well I'm gonna have to use this. in chapter twenty, verse fourteen. It says I'm gonna I need to go up I need to go up a little bit more because I like to make sure that we stay in context when we're reading. At this point in time, um, Saul and Uh, Saul is really after David, and we went through this when we studied it. Saul is really, really coming after David hard, and he means to do him harm. And Jonathan tries to intercede, and he goes in and he tries to find out what Saul's plans are, what his intentions are toward David. And it's the scene where he's shooting the arrow in the field, and... Uh, because David knows that he, if he doesn't get away, Saul is going to kill him. And he and Jonathan are together, and they're getting ready to separate. Jonathan's got to give him this bad news, and they're crying, and it's a tearful separation. Uh, let's go to – I'll start reading in 2011. Come, Jonathan said. Let's go out into the field. So they went there together. Then Jonathan said to David, by the Lord, the God of Israel – I will surely sound out my father by this time the day after tomorrow. If he is favorably disposed toward you, will I not send you word and let you know? But if my father is inclined to harm you, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if I do not let you know and send you away safely. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. Now watch this. But show me unfailing kindness like that of the Lord as long as I live so that I may not be killed and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So I misspoke a little bit there. Uh, this happens before uh, David sends him away. This happens, I, I, I got a little bit ahead of myself um this happens before he um he uh, 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 um, before he till finds out saul's plan toward david david knows and they meet and he, and they were they were get, they were discussing they'll discuss afterwards how he'll let him know what saul 's intentions are but the point of reading this passage for you tonight is just to show that the covenant agreement that they had and how Jonathan asked him don't cut off your kindness don't cut off loving kindness from me and so now that David has rest from all his enemies now that David has ascended to the throne what happens is that David is he remembers his covenant agreement with Jonathan and in chapter 9 He begins to ask the question, is there anyone, is there anyone, that's what we went through in the first, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And he goes and he finds Ziba. Now, Ziba is a servant. He is literally the steward. Over the house of Saul, and let me um, talk to you about uh, th- what what we mean there. Uh, even though Saul and Jonathan and all of the sons are dead, because in uh, because Saul owned land, that land didn't go away from his family. Zebo was a servant in the house of Saul prior to Saul leaving, so. It remains in Saul's family. The inheritance remains there. And Ziba is taking care of the inheritance that belongs to the house of Saul. You see, in Israel, the inheritance stayed within the family. And if the man had no sons, it passed to the daughter. If he had no daughters, then it would go to a brother, and it would keep going down and down and down within the family until they found somebody connected with that family to keep that land inheritance. And that's important for you to think about. That's important for you to know. I know, and I, I, and I, and I feel it in my bones, that there are a lot of us who have been given things from the Lord on this earth that has been taken from us. And in some instances, we've misplaced it. But I believe that those things are still in our families. I'm going to sign off from Facebook now so I can really get to working because I can't do three things at once anymore. So hey, Facebook family! I hope you enjoyed this. Tune into the Word on Wednesday on Wednesday nights, and you can get the full teaching. Bless you. Anyway, now I, can get, I, I did it. and I'm done with it. Now, so as we were saying, Ziba's a steward. He is a steward, and it's called. He's called before David, and David asked him, "Is the verse three now?" Is there no one still left of the house of Saul, of the house of Saul, to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered, Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered. He is at the house of Makura, son of Amiel in Lodibar. Now, I want to go back and I want to deal with a concept here, or a word here that we really need to, to understand. It says, in, in verse uh, 1, whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. In verse um, 3, He says, I can show God's kindness. The word that they translate here for kindness is a Hebrew word, hesed. And hesed is an act of kindness, love, or mercy. The quality of kindness shown is usually reserved for close friends and family members. An act of hesed, or an act of kindness, presupposes the existence of a relationship between the two parties involved, but when no relationship exists, the person exercising hesed has chosen to treat the recipient as if the relationship Is in existence. Shall I read that for you again? Hesed is an act of kindness, love, or mercy. The quality of kindness shown is usually reserved for close friends and family members. An act of Hesed presupposes the existence of a relationship between the two parties involved. But when no relationship exists, the person exercising hesed has chosen to treat the recipient as if it did. What is hesed? Said? Hesed said is love, mercy, and kindness. What is God's God God's said is unfailing. Love, mercy, and kindness. What do we mean when we say unfailing? We mean a love that is continuously there, a mercy that is continuously there, a kindness that is continuously there. It does not fail. The supply of love, mercy, or kindness doesn't run out there is nothing that you can do that will relinquish or make God relinquish his love towards you. Or not relinquish, but extinguish. That's the word I want. He doesn't run out of it. You know why God doesn't run out of love? Because God is love. He does not run out of himself. And what David seeks to do, because of his relationship with Jonathan, is go into the house of Saul and find someone to show forth the love, mercy, and kindness of God toward them. This is unusual, and you'll see it in a minute. Let I mean, I, I'm... Before I go before I go further, I, I think it's, it's important that we see what uh, a couple of examples of this has in action. So, or how it's expressed. Has is expressed in giving. I said love. Love prompts you to give. I'm not collecting anybody's money tonight. Don't don't get nervous. Don't, you know, jump off the 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 program thinking that I'm gonna say, Okay, tonight if you love God and you love me, give me seventy seven dollars and seventy seven cents. No, I'm not trying to do that. But I want to express to you that love is expressed in giving. When you love somebody, when you're showing the love of God, you are going to show what you do, what you give to that individual. Secondly, uh, go to Second Samuel chapter twenty-two. Show you something. Second Samuel chapter twenty-two, and we just want to lift one verse out of there. Second Samuel twenty-two verse fifty-one. Listen to what it says. Now, specifically, I want to uh, look at that B portion. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing kindness to his anointed. You see, when God anoints us, those of us who he has anointed, those of us who he has selected for his service, those of us who he has designated, and who are those people that are anointed? All of God's people are anointed. All of God's people receive his unfailing kindness. Let's go farther. Um, Sometimes he shows his love by disciplining us, by disciplining us. Go to Psalms 109. Let me take my time and. You know, everybody loves to speed through this chapter and talk about Mephibosheth. But I've got to show you so much in this word tonight. And so I'll just take my time and do it. If if somebody's in a hurry, they could jump ahead. But I'm going to walk this thing tonight. 109, verse 16. For he never thought of doing a kindness. 109. Uh oh. 109. Am I in the right place? What did I write down here? Uh oh. Forgive you. I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Verse. My note says 109:16. 109. I wrote this down wrong. I wrote it down wrong. I wonder if it's 116. Well, anyway, the verse that I'm looking for, see, it basically talks about when God rebukes you, he's showing you loving kindness. I wrote it down as 109.16. It is not 109.16, obviously. I got the wrong verse. I'll give it to you next week, unless it's 110.16. No, that's not it. And my handwriting is just as plain. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Nope. Not twenty six. Oh well. I got it wrong tonight. Forgive me. Okay, go to Isaiah fifty four eight. Every now and then, I just mess up, don't I? I must have been not getting ready to nod off when I wrote that note. I had to be a little bit more careful with that because I like, I'm usually a lot more precise than that. Go to Isaiah 54 8. And I got, i that's bothering me. And if I got, here it is. Okay, that would make sense. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. So when, even when God gets angry with you, it's only for a moment. It's only for a moment because he remembers his love towards us, and he has compassion on us. Uh, Jose, Hosea 11.4. I'm still kind of kicking myself a little bit for um, miswriting that down. Mess around and forget where stuff is in my Bible next. Y'all have to pray for me. Okay, now, Jose, don't you get to uh, hiding in the back of this Bible from me. There it is. Jose, 11 and 4. I know you guys out there having fun with y'all little pool things, but wait until, I, wait until your batteries go down. It says, I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. So again, we're talking about the love of God, how God's love works, how he leads us in love, how he disciplines us in love how the love, his loving kindness, his love, his mercy is is extended to the anointed and how he is constantly giving us. And this is what David is doing. And what we want to get out of this is that we should be a reflection of God through Hasid by, by giving Hasid, by giving love, by giving mercy, by giving kindness, and showing it all over the place. Go to Proverbs 11. And this is, Here's one of the reasons why we should do it, um, why we should always be in the business of giving out Hasid. Proverbs chapter 11. You know what? I'm going to read this in a different version. A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. And so basically what what that proverb says, it says it this way, a kind man benefits himself, but a cruel man brings trouble on himself. That's the way the NIV reads. I just read the ESV. And so when we practice kindness, it is a benefit to us because when you sow the seeds of kindness, you reap kindness. Be not deceived; God is not mocked, for whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Christians should always, should always, if they are going to be a reflection of God, should always practice His said, always practice His said, according to especially according to Proverbs eleven and seven. And so, we go back to our um, our. Our scripture tonight, our, our, um, Second Samuel, for some strange reason, I got a little fumbling in me tonight. I think I was just kind of unnerved by um, by the fact that I couldn't get online like I normally do, and then trying to do that Facebook and all of that, it's a little bit too much for me to concentrate on what I really need to do, so... Uh, like I say, I'm not, I won't be trying to do that again too soon. Second Samuel chapter 9. So, again, I'll go, back to, I'll go to the top again. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, there was a servant of Saul's household named Zeba. We went through that. They called him to appear before David, and the king said to him, are you Zeba, your servant, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still left? Of the house of Saul in whom I can show God's kindness, Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan, he is crippled in both his feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Makura, son of Amiel in Lodibar. So King David had him brought from Lodibar, from the house of Makira, son of Amiel. Now, so what David does now David's down in Jerusalem. Lodibar is north of Jerusalem, and it's a, it's a good little piece up there. Uh, and literally what's happening is he, um, uh, he is under the protection of Makur. Makur is a wealthy man from the tribe of Manasseh who is hiding uh, Saul's grandson. And there's a reason for him hiding his grandson. And the reason is simple. When there was a change in the monarchy, when one family uh, left power and another monarch got to the throne, in those times, the tradition was you wiped out everybody who had a right to the throne. You wiped them out. You didn't leave any of that family who who had a right to the throne standing David has ascended to the throne. Now imagine uh, if your name is Mephibosheth and you know that David has ascended to the throne. When you come into David's presence, what do you think is going to happen? Because even though you are a royal seed, you had, and even though growing up early on, you had the expectation of living the life of a royal. Now, you might not have been the son who ascends to the throne. In this case, um, Mephibosheth would have ascended to the throne because Jonathan was the oldest son of Saul, and he would have taken over after Saul left the scene, and Mephibosheth is Jonathan's oldest son. As a matter of fact, he's his only son. And so he was the heir to the throne. And the heir is in hiding. What happened to Mephibosheth? Let's find out. Um, Let's see, because it says, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both his feet. Now, because he's crippled, he automatically is not going to ascend to the throne. But how did he get crippled? Was he born crippled? Well, we, 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 we saw that back in Second um, uh, Samuel chapter four. Go to Second Samuel chapter four, verse four. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became crippled. His name was Mephibosheth. Something happened. He fell in such a way that apparently his feet were broken or or mangled some kind of way, and he was never able to walk again. So you've got this crippled prince who is hiding out in Lodibar under the protective covering of a Mechur. And Ziba is sent, or someone is sent, to go get Mephibosheth and bring him to the king. Verse 3, or verse 5, rather. So King David had him brought from Lodibar, from the house of Mekur, son of Amiel, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, The son of Saul came to David. He bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Listen to David. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belongs to Saul and his family. I want to stop right there so I could just do a little bit of teaching. So, Mephibosheth shows up. He is he knows in his heart of hearts that it's it for me. And instead of getting what he thought he was going to get, death, he's shown the kindness of God he is has his inheritance restored he has his place at the table restored what does that what does that remind you of does that remind you of the love that god has given us does that remind you of god's kindness toward us imagine prior to us receiving Christ, being summoned into the presence of God, being summoned into the presence of the King of Kings, what could we expect for the wages of sin are death? We had nothing coming from God but death. And even, even now, if we show up Without Jesus, without having a relationship with him, we have nothing coming but death. Our expectation is not restoration, but because of what Jesus did, because of God's compassion, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It is because of God's love for us that we have received the restoration. We have received our inheritance that we can look forward to being in the presence of God, fellowshipping with him, not because of what we did, because our position is makes us, uh, what's the word I want to use? We are so raggedy that we are not worthy to come into the presence of God. That's how Mephibosheth felt. Look, here I am. I'm all broke up. My feet all broke. I can't stand up. uh, 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 And I'm being summoned into the presence of the king to be killed. And instead of being being killed, what does God do? God presents us us and says you're being restored now let me talk on a, on another level real quick God's restored has restored us spiritually and for some of us we are going to experience physical restoration some of us will experience physical, Restoration. Restoration of property. Restoration of relationship. Restoration of health. Restoration of wealth. Be- why is he going to do that? Because he has compassion on us. Because he is a God of restoration. He is a God who gives to us. He is a God who blesses us. And notice I say, I'm not saying, everybody get this. Now, I didn't say that. I'm not one of those who goes out and makes promises that God does not keep because God didn't tell me to say that. No, he's able to restore. But some of the things that, have, that we've lost are lost for a reason. And he did, he never he doesn't want us to have those things. And then there are some of us who we lost stuff that the devil took. But what God has given to you, no, uh-uh, you're not gonna lose that. You're not losing that at all. I wish I could see what that says right there. I I can't see that good with this with this one. I'm sorry, um, but but and I really do want to see it too. Um, restoration. Restoration, spiritual restoration, is the most important thing. Some of us have strayed from our callings, have strayed in our relationship with God, have strayed from walking with him day to day. God wants to restore that. God wants to restore that. And he, he's reaching out in loving kindness toward you. Let's look at a couple of passages of Scripture that, that really, really illustrate that. Go to uh, Matthew nine thirty six Because Jesus is, go, is is what we see in David. What we see in David is fulfilled in Jesus. What we see in David is temporary. What we see in Jesus is eternal fulfillment. David is an example of what Jesus will come along and do. Um, quote, excuse me. Go to Matthew nine thirty six, real quick. I just, you know As I was looking at my Bible this afternoon, there were so many examples of God's love and compassion. I just pulled out a couple of them. Matthew nine thirty six. I just want to read that to you real quick. And again, I'm not trying. I'm, I'm not trying to be exciting tonight. I'm trying to make sure that that we get this concept of his saying here, 936. I'll, read it. I'll, start read. I'll start reading it in 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. God is looking for people who will go out, who have have compassion, who will go out to to those sheep, his people like sheep, who are being harassed who are helpless, and minister to the people. That's hesed, that God will fill us with so much kindness and so much love and so much mercy that we'll stop sitting around in the pews and trying to be Mr. and Mrs. such a much and get about the business of spreading the love of God. We are people of hesed. Amen. Look at Ephesians 2 and 4. Again, I might back up a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to back up to three. Because I want to read. Ah, I'm going to go to one. Is that right? Yeah, okay. I'm going to back up to first one. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, kind of like old Mephibosheth, weren't you, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So what's that what's that passage saying? You know what, even when we were crippled, even when we were in Lodibar, even when we were hiding from God, we were considered enemies of God, God bestowed, has said on us through his son, Jesus Christ. He showed his love. He showed his kindness. He showed his mercy by giving his son. So we can really relate to Mephibosheth. Go to First um, John three one. A couple more, and then we're gonna. Oh, I don't even know if I'm gonna get all these in. First John three one. And then I'm gonna start wrapping things up. I'm gonna have to go back to that chapter and really, really speed through it to make it before the end of time. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us? that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Go back to, go back to 2 Samuel uh, 9 again. I'm going to finish this. Mephibosheth bowed down, I'm at verse 8, and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. I've restored Mephibosheth to his rightful inheritance. God has restored mankind, those who believe in him, to an inheritance that is undefiled. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. And if it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. That's the word of the Lord, that God has restored us into our inheritance, that he has seated us. Watch this now. I'm getting ahead of myself, but he has seated us. In heavenly places with him. Watch what he does to watch what David does with Mephibosheth. You and your sons, you and your sons and your servants, I'm at verse ten, are to farm the land for him, and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for, and Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. There is a place prepared at the table of God for his children who are in covenant agreement with him. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. When we eat at the table of God, we're not going to eat like one of the king's sons. We're going to eat like the king's son because that's who we are. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table and he was crippled in both feet. Here is, this, here is this young man who expected nothing but the worst and got nothing but the best because David was in covenant agreement with Jonathan to always show And God made a covenant with us when he says, I'm going to put my word in your heart. I'm going to write my law on your heart, and I'm going to be your God. God makes us sons, and He gives us that which we do not deserve. He gives us has said. And we as children of God are obligated and are told to love one another, to go forth and show the love of Christ. We're told in Proverbs That when we show kindness, we'll reap kindness. But when we fail to show kindness, we're just as bad as the men and women of the world. So my encouragement to you tonight is to go forward and show that you're really a member of the covenant community. Show that you are really one who are of God by projecting forth the love of God that is in you. You ain't got to fake it because if you've got the spirit of God in you, what is what is uh, the fruit of the spirit? The fruit of the spirit is love. And you shall know a tree by the fruit it bears. Amen? David shows Mephibosheth love. God shows us love. We show everyone love. We get restored to us. All that we think was lost, we get an inheritance undefiled. Amen? Well, God bless you tonight. I pray that this word has come to you and dwells in you richly. I pray tonight that, that you would go back and reread and restudy that. Um, There is also a political aspect of this that I didn't go into tonight, and that is is that David is consolidating his kingdom, and he is showing how a true king administers justice, what God's justice looks like. Justice does not look like revenge and vengeance. And one of the things that he does in doing this is, is he shows one of the powerful tribes that he's not going to be against them. Because Saul comes from Benjamin. Benjamin is a very, very powerful tribe. There's fierce fighters in Benjamin. And they're, you know, from Benjamin North, there was there was a lot of suspicion surrounding things. You know, everything wasn't hunky dory. But he's he's got to bring that nation together. And by showing kindness because of the covenant, because of his promise, because of his love for David, or excuse me, for Jonathan. He shows all of that. And in doing it, in doing it, he solidifies the kingdom. He continues to gain support from all of the tribes. He shows that he's not just uh, going to lean on Judah, but in, and that he's not going to be just Judah's king. He's going to be the king of Israel, and there won't be any favoritism. It will be justice for all. That's another aspect that you know I don't. I choose not to go into too deep because I want to show you what essentially uh, that word and what that word means to us today. But those, those are things that are underlying in, the, in that in that passage also. Amen. Oh, I wish I could see. It's a something or oh hey Sharon how you doing that's what that keeps saying hey anyway um so that's our that's our study for tonight uh, we'll be in chapter ten next week um, it will uh, now I'm gonna give you no sneak preview no sneak previews. let's pray eternal God our Father we pray tonight that we can show forth your love just as David showed to Mephibosheth and just as Jesus showed to us. And just like you showed us every day, how we thank you and how we praise you for the wonderful, wonderful things that you have done for us. We thank you, O God, that you have prepared a place for us, that you've seated us in heavenly places, and that you are just blessing us, blessing us, blessing us. We thank you tonight for leading us through your word. We pray, O God, that you now speak to all who hear and will study this passage again and that you would speak to them individually showing them how they can show forth your love as you have shown it to us and as David showed it to mephibosheth God make us stand out by our love and by our kindness we bless you we praise you in Jesus name amen okay so i need you to walk in the blessing and i will see you again Next week, the Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Bless you and have a wonderful evening.